I was practicing that all week long. Um, so thank you for joining in with me and not just staring at me like I'm some fool. Um, if you got your notes out, the title of today's sermon is Just the Way You Are. We're going to be opening up our Bibles to Song of Solomon, chapter 5. Uh-oh, if you just said hello, you know what's about to go down. Song of Solomon, real quick, is the 50 shades of gray of the Bible. Uh, I saw the word breast here earlier, and I flipped over it. We're not preaching about that tonight. I got nervous. Um, <laughs> what are you saying, Dennis? You're such a fool. Anyways, um, we're reading Song of Solomon, chapter 5. I want to read this story because I think it paints a picture of how Jesus loves us. So I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let this part preach to you more than anything I have to say tonight. Um, I want to let you know what I'm about to read right now uh, can change your life. I cannot. It's not me. Dennis, yes, he may look cute and yes, he's got a dope shirt on and maybe he doesn't have a haircut. I can't do anything tonight, um, but I will introduce you. I will show you. I will point the way to the one who can change your life forever. Um, and I think we find him in this book called the Bible. Uh, whether you believe in God or not, we just want to love you tonight and point you to where our love comes from. Um, so we're going to read Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 2. I love this right here. The young woman, she says this, I slept, but my heart was awake. This is a very poetic book, so get on the drift right now. But my heart was awake. When I heard my lover knocking and calling, he said, open to me my treasure, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. My head is drenched with dew and my hair with the dampness of the night. And the woman said, I responded, I have taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I have washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? My lover, he tried to unlatch the door, and my heart thrilled within me. I jumped up to open the door for my love. My hands dripped with perfume. My fingers dripped with the lovely myrrh. And as I pulled back the bolts of my doors, verse 6, I opened to my lover. But he was gone. My heart sank. And so I went out and I searched for him, but I could not find him anywhere. I called to him, but there was no reply. And so the night watchmen, they found me as they were making their rounds, and they beat me and bruised me, and they stripped off my veil, those watchmen of the walls. And she speaks to these ladies, she says this in verse 8, make this promise, O woman of Jerusalem, if you find my lover, tell him that I am weak with love. And so the woman of Jerusalem replied to this lady in verse 9, why is your lover better than all the others, O woman of rare beauty? What makes your lover so special that we must promise this to you? Oh, my God. Oh, I love this part. I'm going to shut up right now. Ready? My lover is dark and dazzling, better than 10,000 others. His head is the finest gold. His wavy hair is black as ravens. His eyes sparkle like doves beside springs of water. They are set like jewels washed in milk. What does that even mean? I don't know, but it's beautiful. His cheeks are like gardens of spices, giving off fragrance. His lips are like lilies perfumed with myrrh. His arms are like round bars of gold. Come on, she's talking about me. Set with the barrel. His body is bright ivory, glowing with lapis lazuli. His legs are like marble pillars. I don't understand that either. Set in the sockets of finest gold, his posture is stately, like the noble cedars of Lebanon. His mouth is swiftness itself. He is desirable in every way. Such a woman of Jerusalem, he is my lover, my friend. So the woman replied, but where has your lover gone? A woman of rare beauty. I gotta pause and I gotta notice that she was so in love with her lover that people that have never even met her lover were willing to help her look for him. 
What if you were to talk about Jesus that way? What if you were to say, man, this is what Jesus is to me, and the people that don't believe would say, man, if he's that amazing to you, let's help you find Jesus. And as they help you find, they'll find him too. What if we speak to Jesus the way that the beloved speaks to her lover? I love this. My lover has gone down to his garden. She finally finds him to his spice beds to browse in the gardens and gather the lilies. Verse 3 of 6, I am my lover's and my lover is mine. Oh, so sweet. He browses among the lilies. She finally meets up with him. This is like the powerful part. Listen, if you're a single man today, just read this part right here to some random lady. She'll be yours like this. Ready, ready, ready. The man, they finally meet up in the garden after she went through this long, painful process of getting hit by the night watchman, getting her veil stripped off, getting beat and bruised. She meets him in chapter 6, verse 4, and he responds to her. He says to her, you are beautiful, my daughter. He didn't say that in a normal way. No, no, no. He paused. He said, you are beautiful, my daughter continues on he says like the lovely city of Terza I don't know how it looked like but if it's like New York City beautiful right yes as beautiful as Jerusalem as majestic as an army with billowing banners turn your eyes away from me because they overpower me Woo! it's about to go down hope y'all married your hair my princess falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are as white as sheep that are freshly washed. Your smile is flawless. Each tooth matched with its twin. I love this part right here. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I got to back up real quick. He says your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Somebody say veil. See, if you look at this passage from what I read and not just this part, it'll confuse you a little bit because in chapter 6, verse 7, he compliments how her cheeks look behind her veil. But before that, in chapter 5, verse 7, it says that the night's watch found her and stripped off her veil. So my question to this man is, bro, she just got beat bruised and her veil was stripped from her why are you complimenting the veil that was stripped i need you to understand context what is context it's the history behind this for you for that to hit your heart see a woman in these times if she was going to meet someone who was not her husband and not her immediate family she had to wear a veil somebody say veil you gotta stay with me she had to wear a veil if she was not wearing a veil when she was meeting up with her man's future husband it was seen as disrespect towards her body because she was showing a part of her face that was only supposed to be shown to her husband and kids. See, she was supposed to have a veil when she met with this man. And it's crazy to me that even though it was stripped away and she was beaten and bruised, he did not see her for how she really was. He saw, for her, see, he saw her for how she was meant to be. She was supposed to have the veil. And even when she didn't, the man saw her in his mind with the veil. And so I read this and I question, maybe this is a picture of God's love towards me. So my first point today is that God is faithful towards who you are, but he's focused on who you're meant to be. His focus is always on how he created you to be. I, I say God loves you just the way you are with the understanding that he loves you right now where you are, but the way he truly sees you is the way you were always supposed to be. See, we, we, we get a glimpse of this when Jesus is dying on the cross. He's dying on the cross, and while he's on the cross, in Luke chapter 23, 
he, he, he's talking to God. And he's saying, hey, Father, do me this favor. Forgive them. Why, why should God forgive Jesus' murderers? Well, it's because of this, because they don't know what they're doing. Wait, Jesus, what do you mean? They, they literally put nails in your hands, in your feet, a crown on your head. They knew that they were doing that to you. How do you have the audacity to say they don't know what they're doing? And it's because Jesus was looking at them as innocent children, even though they were killing their own father. He saw them not for what they were doing and what they were at the moment. He saw them for who they truly were. Hey, God, no, 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 no. God, I know they're, they're killing me, but, but just give them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, Jesus, no, they're killing you. They're murderers. Jesus says, no, shut up, Dennis. They're innocent. And I can imagine how many times God looks at me. And I look at myself, Dennis, you're a murderer. Dennis, you're disgusting. And God will look me right in the eyes and say, no, 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 my son. And my question to you today is, what happened to your veil? What happened to the veil that was covering you? What happened to the veil that made you the person you were supposed to be, that for some reason maybe somebody found you and they ripped it off? Has the veil of innocence been stripped from your life? Has the veil of confidence been stripped from your life? Has the veil of passion and purity and beauty been stripped from your life? Because maybe right now you think you're doing good, but in reality... You're not where you're supposed to be. You're not living a life worthy of the calling that God has placed over you. Not because you don't want to, but because the veil has been stripped. I want you to understand this today. Whether your veil has been stripped or not, God sees you the way you're supposed to be, not the way that you are right now. I need to let you know, church, Jesus loves you just the way you are because he sees you the way you're always supposed to be. He looks at you. He doesn't see a mistake. He sees a masterpiece. He sees something beautiful, not something broken. He's right there looking at you, and he doesn't see you the way that you see yourself. He doesn't see you the way that others see yourself. But here's, here's my problem, that a lot of us, we understand God loves us the way we are, but we don't really know the way we are. You know God loves you, but you don't know who you are. And because you don't know who you are, you don't know who God loves. I can say God loves me, but if I don't know who I am, I will always be the limit of God's love. Because I can't comprehend the fullness of a love that's for me if I don't know who I am. If God says walk through the door by twisting the doorknob, I know what a door is, but I don't know what a doorknob is, I'll never get through the door. God will say, twist the doorknob. What the heck is a doorknob, God? You never explained this to me. And God was just saying, if you would just only get to know yourself, you would be able to experience the love that I have for you. My question today, this is where everything hinges on, is do you have a relationship with yourself? Do you have a relationship with yourself? See, and nobody really talks about this. They say, hey, you got to be the one before you find the one. You got you to gotta be the boyfriend before you get the girlfriend, be the husband before you get the wife. But nobody ever says how to be the boyfriend. Nobody ever taught me how to be the husband. And so I know that I'm wrong. I just don't know how to get right. So today I want to give you something. This is not going to be a preaching message. This is not going to be me giving mind-blowing things. I'm literally going to tell you something you already know so you can start using it. Because too many of us, we're looking for the next best thing when God wants to do something new with what you already have. 
So tonight, if you don't get mind blown, don't look at me and say, Dennis, you failed as a preacher. No, no. I'm giving you what God wants to use to build you. Today, I'm not going to give you wows. I'm going to give you a word that's going to lift you up and make you a better person. Do you have a relationship with yourself? The Bible says this is the greatest command is to love the Lord your God with everything you've got, right? So, so summary. And the second greatest command is almost like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. See, in a lot of us, we're not too good at loving ourselves. And so it's no wonder why you're bad at loving others. See, you're, you're, you're so inconsistent with others because you're inconsistent with yourself. You know, it, we're, we're trying to have all these relationships with everybody else except ourselves. And we're wondering, wait, well, why is all these relationships failing? Because you have no substance. You have no substance. There's nothing moving you forward. You're just going through from person to person to person, hoping something good is going to happen instead of being something good that can make something good happen. See, God is saying, I'm tired of empty Christians. I'm tired of lonely Christians. I'm going to speak to my single people right now. Hey, single people, can you wave your hand right now? Come on, can I get a big amen from all my single people? Look around, pull out your phone right now, give her a wink. It's okay, you can do that. We're free. Just make sure Jesus is in the middle, boy. All my single people out here. I, I want to, if you're a single person, write this at the top of your notebook. Just because I'm single doesn't mean I'm alone. Just because I'm single doesn't mean I'm empty. Just because I'm single doesn't mean I'm lost. Just because I'm single, you don't need to be in a relationship to be found. You just need to know Jesus. Just because you're single doesn't mean you're alone. So stop settling for scraps. I love when Jesus says this. He's speaking to people, and he says, stop feeding your pearls to pigs. They're just going to step on them. It's the same story in Song of Solomon. Has your veil been stripped off? I think you might have shown something just a little bit too early to that person. I think you might have revealed something that was only for your husband, and you gave it to your boyfriend. I think you might have taken something off of her that was supposed to stay on her until God said, it's okay, enjoy it in safety. I thank God today, I need you to understand this. Yes, you might have messed up, but when he sees you, he doesn't see a person with a veil ripped off or stripped off. He sees you the way that you were supposed to be. He sees you right with the veil, right back on, with beautiful teeth, with beautiful eyes, with the hair that falls like waves, with, with teeth that look like sheep, I think is what he said. I don't understand it, but I know it's pure. Sometimes I don't need to understand how God loves me. I just need to know he loves me. Sometimes you don't need to understand God to follow him. You just got to know he loves you. Say, man, if you love me this much, if you love me enough, that you dare ask me to follow you without explaining all the steps, man, maybe I should just follow you. I went off on a tangent, but I, I really think God wants to speak to us today. Not for the person who you're pretending to be, but the person who you really are. I want you to understand that we live in a social media uh, culture. Everything we do is on social media. I'm not that kind of pastor. I'm not going to bash on social media. I freaking love it. It's amazing. Like, I love Instagram. I love all these things. But there's this problem with this now that we're so quick to receive something and post it. Every time you learn something brand new, you're just gonna post it. Like this sermon today, you're probably not even gonna internalize it, you're just gonna post it so everybody knows you got more information. You're not gonna look back at your notes three days from now, you're just gonna post it on Instagram and hope that everybody sees that you're a good Christian. That's all you're gonna do. 
ends up happening is because we're so quick to post. Check this out. We are becoming what we're posting instead of posting what we're becoming. You haven't given yourself time to internalize what God has planted in your heart. You're so quick to give it away that when God says, hey, what are you doing with what I've given you? You're saying, God, I, I gave it to them. Well, you gave them the seed. I needed you to build a garden with it. People were supposed to see this garden and be in remembrance of me, but instead you gave them a seed that wasn't even meant for them. I need you to understand. I, I get it. I get it. You want to work on your feet. Man, really work on your heart. I'm all about Instagram. Like, that's my favorite one. Twitter, I just, it was too time-consuming, so I started hating myself after it, so I had to give it a break. Uh, but Instagram is like a quick fix. Like, I get on it, scroll three times, get off of it. Something I really want you to catch tonight is that your real story is more impactful than your Instagram story. Like, it's good for everyone to see where you're going, but man, why don't you actually live in the moment for once? Why don't you actually experience the beauty of life instead of trying to imitate what everybody else is doing? Yeah, I get it. I get it. You want to be in a relationship. It's good. I love them. I love mine. It's amazing. But I really, really really don't want you to meet your next girlfriend who could be your future wife and have nothing to give her because you've been posting your life and publishing but you haven't been internalizing and growing you've been so busy on giving and giving and giving that you haven't really understood yes you can love your neighbor to the extent that you love yourself have a relationship with yourself I promise ladies gentlemen if you date yourself for a year when the next man wants to step into your life you know exactly how you should be treated because you've set the standard with Jesus. You, you've decided how your relationships are going to go before you start a relationship with another man or another woman. You have it all planned out and you say, God is ordaining my steps. So if you want to be a part of me, you got to be a part of his plan. See, but if you never spend time getting to know yourself, you're not going to have anything to say. So you're just going to say yes. Because there's no substance in you. And today, I really want you to understand these three key points. How can I develop a relationship within myself? How can I love me before I love him or love her? How can I become the standard before I set someone else to a specific standard? How do I make myself whole so I don't make all these dumb mistakes? Number one, just know God more. You got to know God more. know what he's doing far away know what he's doing right here see the bible says this in genesis chapter 1 verse 27 i hope it's the right verse oh snap let's go i get excited for these things i'm sorry genesis chapter 1 27 so god created human beings in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them so god created human beings in his image in his image he created human I want you to understand this, that God has literally placed a little bit of his DNA inside of every single one of you. See, but if you don't know who God is, you won't know how you function because you were created to look like God. You were supposed to look like your creator. And I think it's time for us to stop thinking we know what God looks like and start learning what he actually looks like. Start asking God, hey, God, what do you look like? When was the last time you asked God to show himself to you? 
and not in a way that would make you better, but in a way that would actually make you know God more. If you only want to know God so you can know yourself better, you're only going to know your fake self better. You're going to create this image of what God looks like, and so you'll create this image of what you look like, and 20 years down the road, you're going to be married with kids, and you're going to say, man, God is so good, and when you look back, you're going to say, whoa, I was serving the wrong God. Instead of making myself in God's image, I made God's image of myself. And I thought I had it right because the verse says so, right? Stop trying to create God. Is that Travis Scott, right? Stop trying to be God. Stop it. You're really bad at it. You're, you're so off. Like, we are not good at recreating the Bible out here. So just listen to the Bible. Just focus on what it says. I want you to understand, number one, know God more. Number two, know your weaknesses. Man, if you want to get to know yourself, learn what your weaknesses are. See, but I think society has taught us to hide our weaknesses. Real easily, too. It's given us so many quick fixes as to how to hide your weaknesses. A way of doing it is by creating a new you. Hey, if you just create a new, better you, you don't even have to worry about your weaknesses being seen by anybody else. I want you to understand, that can I say something that's going to free you so much right now? If you just acknowledge your weaknesses, you can stop pretending. If you just acknowledge that they're there, hey, this is my weakness, this is what I struggle with, you can stop pretending. But a lot of us, we're being overpowered by our weaknesses because we're afraid of showing them. I, I got to come to church and be perfect. I, I got to come to church and I got to walk the right way. I, I, I met with this friend uh, recently. He hasn't been coming to church for a while. And he said, man, I just really don't want to go to church anymore because every time I go to church, I feel like I have to fake that I'm okay. I was like, why would you ever make that mistake? Why would you ever hurt yourself that way? is this my weakness is that you would be so free you wouldn't have to pretend anymore to anybody i'm not saying tell the whole wide world what your weaknesses are i'm just saying understand what they are see but but i want to speak to the church real quick a lot of us we are not looking for correction and so when we get corrected it hurts but if you were to just seek after correction i promise when you find it it won't hurt as much Hey, hey, Natasha, what am I doing wrong as a pastor? Well, Dennis, I, I'm in, I, I don't really know too much of your life, but, but sometimes I feel like maybe you're a little bit too impersonal for people. Okay, I get that. You know why that didn't hurt me? Because I was looking for it. But if I'm walking through my life and, and, and out, out of nowhere, Julio says, hey, hey, uh, Pastor Dennis, real quick, come over here. I think you're too impersonal. It's like, whoa, bro, shut up, man. Tighten up. Don't talk to me that way. Because it hurts when you're not looking for it. But if I chase after correction, instead of being so defensive, if maybe I switch my role to the offense, I won't be so offended. Seek after correction. Hey, if you're serving in the room tonight, why don't you ask your head leader how you can get better? You've been saying, God, I need you to tell me where to go. He gave you leaders for a reason. I need you to understand this tonight. How much time I got? I need you to understand this tonight. God is not superstitious. He's supernatural. He meets you where you're at. Superstitious is this crazy thing that I can't hold on to. But no, God made himself accessible to you through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You don't have to worry about a God who's far away. He's right where you're at. You might meet God in the most normal moment of your life. On a Monday, going to work, doing what you do every single Monday. I promise if you just make yourself aware of God, 
life and the normal will change to the supernatural. But we got to look after it. If you're not looking for it, it's going to hurt you too much. You might quit. You might run away. But I, but I really want to speak to you if you're a leader, if, if you consider yourself a Christian, if you go to church. If we're going to preach this message that you need to come showing your weaknesses, not hiding them, please, church, don't push away their weakness. Please, church, don't judge their weakness. I'll go a step to church. If we're going to preach this message, hey, come with your weakness, then you as the body of Christ need to prepare yourself for people's weaknesses. You need to develop a relationship within yourself that comes from knowing God more and understanding your weaknesses. Because I would hate for me to preach this message. Carlos comes to me with some weaknesses, and I'm saying, oh, dirty. <laughs> the cross. Get out. Parking lot. That's where you're listening to the sermon. It sounds funny, but we do that so easily. Hey, 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 can I speak to you? No, no, not right now, right now, right now. I don't have time for your weaknesses. I, I got to work on my own. I, I got to do all, I got to figure out all these things. Oh, what's up? It's my best friend. Oh, my God, you're the cool person in church. What's going on? I, I don't got time for your weaknesses. If we're going to preach this message, can you at least spend enough time with God in private so that when people come up to you, you know how to handle other people's weaknesses? Can you make sure that if you're going to preach this message, Jesus loves you just the way you are, that you as a reflection of Jesus Christ would prepare yourself to be ready for people the way that they are? Because we say, hey, come as you are. But when it's too much for you, you say, hey, no, no, be that other person. That was way easier for me to handle. That was way easier for me to manage. And I, I can't lead you like that. I need, you to, I need to lead you the Instagram way, not the real way, because that's, that's way too tough. I haven't even handled myself yet. If we're going to preach this message, let's preach it right. Let's not just say the beautiful stuff. Let's do the dirty stuff. Let's do the work that nobody wants to do. Let's get active in areas that nobody wants to get active in. If they need me here, I'm going to be here. Why? Because I'm not just preaching the message, come as you are. I'm preparing the way to carry people the way that they are. I don't want to just sound good anymore. I, I think we got too many, uh, we got too much literature in the church that sounds beautiful, man. All the literature that I need is right here in God's word. I'm going to stop making up my own words and I'm going to start living the one that's already been established. Man, if you want to be a preacher in the house, now, let me pour into your heart right now. Before you become a preacher, be a servant. Be a servant. Before I started pastoring, you know what I was doing? Stacking up chairs. I went to church early. I got into arguments with my parents because they didn't want me to be in church so early because they thought I was just wasting my time. But no, I was like, hey, pastor, what do you need from me? They thought that I was doing things with the wrong people, but I was at church and I was saying, hey, pastor, what do you need from me? Well, Dennis, I need you to mop. Cool, let's do it. See, before he told me to preach, he said, Dennis, make sure that if you're going to pastor people, you know exactly how the shoes smell. If people, if you're pastoring people from far away, you're never going to do anything for the kingdom of God because God is not far away. If you are a living Jesus Christ version here on earth, don't you dare be far away from those that are lost. Tired of preaching, come, come as you are. And I'm not ready for who as you are. Man, today, church, let's make the switch. I'm going to develop a relationship internally so I can manage my external relationships well so I can lead them to Jesus because I am connected to Jesus. My last one, this one's real beautiful. Number one, know, your, uh, know God more. Number two, know your weaknesses. Number three, know your strengths. Know what you're good at. Man, celebrate what you're good at. See, a lot of us, we're asking, hey, God, what's my purpose? 
That's a whole other message that I'm going to preach maybe sometime in your life. You listen to it. God, what's my purpose? I need to let you know you, you have multiple purposes, sweetheart. Homeboy, you got a lot of things that God wants you to do in this life. Don't limit God to one purpose. He's got so much for you to do. But what if a starting point on the checklist of your purpose was in your passions? You're trying to live your purpose based off of what I'm excited about. Oh my God, he's really good at that. I think that's my purpose. And you try to do what he does and you fall flat on your face. Oh, oh my God, she's real great at hospitality. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do this thing. Oh my God, Carla, she's so beautiful when she does announcements. I'm going to go ahead and do this thing. Just got to plug it in there, right? All these things, oh my God, these people are so good at what they do. I'm just going to do what they do because that's my purpose. No, 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 no. Just find out what you're excited about. Find out what keeps you up at night. What makes questions come up in your life? What things are you broken by? What things hurt you? What things frustrate you? Because I'm pretty sure you'll find some direction from God in your life as to what he wants you to do in those things. Stop doing all these tests online, even though they're really good. Do them if you want. For, to find a career. Your purpose. Oh, God, God is so much bigger than just one purpose. Find out what you're passionate about. And then number two, get around people that are passionate in the same way. Listen carefully, because if you don't listen carefully, you'll make a big mistake and you'll make a wrong turn. Don't do it because those are the only people in your life. Just do it because those are the people that are connected to a certain part of your life. Just because us three right here are really excited about leadership and maybe cars, right? I don't even know about cars. Anyways, just because we're excited about leadership and cars doesn't mean I'm not going to spend time with people that aren't excited about it. It just means I'm going to learn from them. It just means this is where I grow. This is the private moment. So when I meet with my people that are excited about makeup, I can just be like, hey, y'all, said makeup is cool. But I'm not here in the makeup section running on empty because I was here in the car and leadership section filling myself up with people that were willing to invest in me. Maybe the reason your relationships aren't so good is because they're not excited about what makes you excited. Maybe all your friends are, are in love with drama and, and gossip. But man, you just really care about helping the homeless. And you've never helped a single homeless person out because you've been so influenced by the drama and by the gossip and the frustration. I'm not saying to leave them because they need Jesus too. I'm just saying find a gas station of people that have the same purpose and fuel yourself up. Fuel yourself up. You don't have to run on empty. Let that free you right now. You're not forced to run on empty. You're not forced to be emptying yourself every single day. Jesus wants to fill you up. There's no reason you should be on empty. There's no reason you should be wanting to give up this much every single day of your life. I get it. There's some seasons where I want to give up all the time, but it doesn't last forever. Number three, know your strengths. I, I, before, uh, back in my day, I always wanted to say that, back in my day, uh, comes out so natural. Back in my day, I was a substitute teacher at a private school. And if anybody's ever been a substitute teacher, you know that they take advantage of you in every single way. Um, every time this specific sixth grade class, somebody say sixth grade. Sixth grade would come to me and they would say, Mr. Dennis, are we going outside? I'm like, well, the teacher left work for us today, Jamie. So we're not going outside. We're going to do our work. But you're the substitute. You're supposed to take us outside. I got into an uproar. I was like, Jamie, you better sit down before I smack the student out of you. What you mean I'm supposed to take you outside? We got work to do. You better sit down, Jamie. You don't even get to sit in a chair. You sit on the ground. I think that's illegal. Sit back in the chair. I, I, 
I did some crazy things as a substitute. Yo, one time, this is not even part of my sermon. I got three minutes, so I'm good. Uh, I kicked the kid out of my classroom because he was giving me attitude, and I'm supposed to leave him outside, like, in the open for a little bit, then bring him back inside. But I left him outside. I forgot about him while I was continuing the class. And so the principal comes, and she's like, hey, the student is outside. And I was like, yep, I know. Jamie, get inside. What you doing outside? And I got him in even more trouble. But in reality, they would have found out I would have been fired, probably, maybe. I don't know. See, the substitute is always taken advantage of. Nobody takes the substitute seriously. And it hurt me sometimes, but I'm learning to have grace and forgiveness. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I want you to understand, maybe nobody takes you seriously because you're just a substitute of who you're supposed to be. Maybe you've just been substituting with small things and you're wondering why things aren't stable in your life. You're not the real you. And so if God wants to send something your way, you're just going to push it to the side. You're saying, God, why? Why doesn't this work out? Why is my mom still sick? Why am I still struggling financially? Why do all my friends backstab me and leave me? And I need you to understand, nobody takes the substitute seriously. Stop living life as a substitute. I need you to have some substance. Have something that people can see. People look at you and all they see is a vessel with nothing inside of it. But God is saying, listen, if you stop substituting Jesus with all these temporary things, I can fill you up with substance. Because Jesus is the source. Can I let you know, if you rely on me, you're going to run on empty because I'm going to die one day. Oh, but it's so good that my God is eternal. It's so good that my God never runs out. It is so good that my God is faithful. The Bible says his love is steadfast and never runs out. It is always there. It is always on time. It does not leave me. It's always by my side. You can be full if you have Jesus in your life. Stop substituting the source with all these temporary things. He wants to fill you up today.